0: Hi guys Only me rabbit Wookie Matt Easley, blah 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 um yeah the this morning I'd like to just basically have a bit of a not a rant at all really because it's it's out of people's control, it's about addiction and um just talk a little bit about um what happened to me and if it can help anyone else then then brilliant happy days. You know, I kind of, um I guess when, you know, kind of my dad left at at twelve, um, then I was sexually abused by the lodger my mum had to take in to uh to cover the mortgage. Um I dunno, I didn't I didn't really process it I guess at that at that age. And then at fourteen I started smoking smoking cannabis and um then by about 16 i guess well i started smoking cannabis and smoking marlborough red which bloody hell i'm surprised i'm still alive after smoking those bad boys for god knows how long but um yeah and then at sort of 16 i started um i've been a heavy heavy cannabis user from 14 onwards um and then sixteen I started experimenting with sort of speed um ecstasy uh acid, you name it basically, um microdots, you, you just you just name it and I'd I'd be doing it really. And then um it kinda got to the stage where I kind of leveled out for a while. I'd always be a bit wild, you know, obviously having pints and and that type of thing, but it was mainly, mainly cannabis speed and um, sort of alcohol, if that makes sense. And then um, it got to a stage when I was about 24, I guess, 23 maybe, and... Um, I got a very good job with Virgin direct financial services and I got up to the point of money manager, sort of financial advisor, not quite financial advisor because you got to do your FBC exams, but you know, I was extremely close to achieving a, a, you know, kind of five figure salary and, um, no, that sounds bad. Actually, six-figure salary, but um, yeah, I just the the parties are virgin, because it was all new. Richard Branson, you name it, went to his house in wherever the hell it was and had a right one there. And um, the the parties, the the queue for the toilets were all always bigger than the queue for the bars and um that's the first time i did cocaine and in all honesty like i don't really like my perception being altered so every every drug i'd done previously seriously altered my perception on reality if that makes sense like Cannabis, I'd whited on before, as everyone has. You know, you think you, you're literally going to die. You can't breathe. You're, you're, God knows what, you know, you're hyperventilating. You're you're freaking out, calling an ambulance. You know, I've done MDMA. I've snorted base speed. You name it, I've done the works. And Jesus Christ didn't really enjoy it because i don't think my little brain is kind of programmed to um cope with that type of thing but one thing it was very programmed to cope with was cocaine and uh my word what a it is it is rocket fuel for anyone who hasn't done cocaine the the nearest i can put it to is um You know, you're having a few pints, and Kate Moss walks into your local pub, and you'll sit there after seven, eight pints, even, and just be looking, going, Oh my God, that's Kate Moss. You do a line of Coke, you'll be going up to her and going, Hello, Kate, I'm Matt. How the devil are you? (laughs) You know, it just rocket fuels your your personality and gives you confidence well beyond probably your remit if that makes sense and it certainly did with me and I, I i sort of started off at the virgin parties you know as i said never done it before really and started off light got into it quite heavily um and it sneaks up on you. It's like any drug, I guess. It sneaks up on you. You think you've got control of it, yet actually it's becoming more controlling of you. And, um, yeah, that, that's, that's basically what happened to me. And then I got in with um, some dealers and um, started selling it. I used to get it on the block and chop it myself with scales and stuff. And not proud of it, I fully admit, but that was the stage of my life where, you know, we're going back 20 years, I guess. And, um, yeah, that that was kind of the way I was living at that time. And um, I started cutting it myself, weighing it myself, dealing it myself. And people, you know, it went from once a month on a Saturday night to, I'd go down the pub on a Tuesday because it almost came to a point where, because it rocket fuels your personality, everyone expects you to behave the way they see you on it. So because it rocket fuels your personality, oh, it's like a fun time, Matt. And then people expect it more and more and more and you feel more and more pressure. To to be like that, and the only way you can be, is if you rocket fuel yourself with cocaine, and so um that's what I used to do, you know, Monday Tuesday where well, any day ending in Y basically I'd I'd be doing cocaine. Problem was, I've got an addictive personality, and um crikey yeah, it, um got to like Tuesday night just two pints and a gram of Coke in the toilets, my local pub. And I'd come out and make everyone laugh, and then I'd go home and cry myself to sleep because I didn't want to be doing it. It's just it's how it gets you. That's how drugs get you, you know, any drug. It's not, not just cocaine. Is I think it's any drug, personally. And the problem is with any drug... Especially cocaine, you can you can take it for for hours on end every sort of forty forty minutes and um that enables you to drink probably three pints more per gram than you'd be able to cope with if you weren't on cocaine. Usually if you weren't on cocaine, you'd yak up after maybe ten pints. I certainly would. But when you're on cocaine, you can drink maybe 15, 20 and still feel pretty all right. Because it brings the alcohol down, you know. It, it doesn't affect you the same way for for people who don't know. And, uh, yeah, I got to a stage where I, I was working for Virgin, like I said, Mr Branson. And uh, rightly so, you know, I went off sick because... I wasn't coping, basically I was heading for a breakdown with the cocaine abuse and um, I was addicted. I was addicted by this point, you know, I was doing, crikey, eight, nine grams a week, I guess. I would got myself in a terrifying amount of debt um, with my dealer and uh, was getting threats and that type of thing. And... I was drinking as well because of the, the coke, and I could. And uh, yeah, so eventually, um, I guess they call it now, nowadays, the trendy word is intervention. But in those days, it was just like, you fucked up, Matt. You need some fucking help, sort it, kind of conversation. That, that wasn't as polite as an intervention. And so I got in touch with these absolutely amazing people. And for Norwich people, it was um, near Trounhammer, Victoria Street, it was called. And they had like a, a rehab centre there. And uh, it was residential at the time. And um put me on this programme to get me off everything. And... Um, Wow, it was amazing. That's how I eventually got into actual mental health and um, went to university and enabled me to go to university with a degree in psychology and um, do the the job I ended up doing, you know. But these people were unbelievable. But what I wanted to say is don't write people off in the main because when I went to the rehab centre, not a lot of people thank God, experienced this because it was, you know, kind of terribly kind of traumatic at the time, not because of what they put you through, just what you're going through yourself in in kind of giving up and um, going cold turkey, if you like. Um, they put me on a really good program of um, kind of the cocaine is only psychologically addictive, you know, that's, that's the issue with that, it's not physically addictive. Yeah, it can kill you, obviously, but it's not actually um, physically addictive, nervous system-wise or systemic system-wise, it's nothing like that. It is just purely in your in your mind. Um, but I was drinking an awful lot as well at the same time because Coke allows you to. You know, you do two lines of Coke, you can have probably five more pints but they put me in a brilliant program with um people with various um addictions, so it could be heroin, it could be um alcohol it could be pills, it could be gambling they were all all in with me, and I was there predominantly for the cocaine but also with a with a touch of alcohol you know and Amazing group of people I was in with, you know. This is when I was like twenty seven, I guess, and so, you know, at that point in my life, they all looked at me and said, "Well, you still look pretty, pretty decent." You know, it looks like you haven't done too much damage to yourself physically, but I think the damage was was kind of done mentally, if that makes sense. And um, yeah, I gave everything up for for complete three months we used to have um drug tests and alcohol tests uh breathalyzers and um blood tests every morning and if you failed even one you'd be kicked off the program and uh yeah they're amazing just sitting around in a group of people and just talking you know it's kind of you take in turns just go around the room and it would just be like, so what has brought you here today? And it's just like, crikey, how long have you got type thing. But it was amazing to hear other people's stories. And um, I probably bored people to death, but there you go. And, um, yeah, that inspired me. You know, we had just simple things, you know, because people with addictions, they stop looking after themselves they stopped doing the basic things in life so they'd have like bring in a recipe to cook with and they had a kitchen in this house a shared kitchen and it would just be like right you all go and cook your own lunch because it's the simple things that people forget when they're addicted they they um they forget how to live they forget how to look after themselves. They forget how to function. And um, it was an amazing programme. And, you know, it, it, it saved my life, certainly. I don't think I'd still be sat here now without that programme. You know, they'd take us bowling. I actually um, was taken down to a, a Norwich um, homeless shelter and as part of the programme, and was asked to, um, like a soup kitchen, I guess you'd call it, and I was asked to actually serve behind the counter to to the home, homeless population of Norwich for, for three days running. And um, it's a humbling experience, you know. And I guess my general point is that these people aren't scum. You know, they, a lot of time they're portrayed as absolute scum and, and the worst of the worst. They're not, they're just damaged. We're all human beings. They're just damaged goods as, as I was and probably as I still am actually at the moment, to be quite honest. But I just wanted to, to kind of highlight this because these people all have a story. There's, all a, there's always a reason why. And um, I think sometimes people kind of forget that and maybe judge people too harshly. And I'm probably guilty at times, you know, of um, judging others, even in my old job, you know. It was kind of a case of, oh, I don't know, sometimes I didn't, I personally disliked people not because of their condition but just because of the way they are and um that is what it is It's human nature you know you can't get on with every single person you meet but i still tried to be as professional as i could and as kind as i could and um i think if just society took that attitude in general that wouldn't be such a bad thing but yeah, just wanted to give you a bit of insight into um my past. I'm not ashamed. You know, things haven't quite worked out the way I'd have um envisaged when I was mental health team leader, you know. Um you yeah, know, things went terribly wrong, got diagnosed with PTSD from witnessing a client, um, you know, pretty much pass away in front of my eyes. Um But uh, there you go, you know, it is what it is. And um, then I tried to do the right thing for him and his family. And uh, I got... Didn't really get crucified, that's a bit dramatic, but I got it made very clear to me that they stopped my pay, they banned the team from talking to me, they denied me... um, uh, a leaving party, even though someone had been allowed one um, when they'd been fired. All I had was commend- commendations for saving lives. I'd never had a disciplinary in my life, but here's what it is, you know. But I just wanted to make people aware you can get over addiction. I'm not saying I'm necessarily over addiction at all, because I might have transferred it a bit to alcohol just to stop my stupid head with this PTSD thing because it feels like something horrific could happen to me or a loved one every second of every day. It's like this constant terror in your head and in your stomach. Um, that's how it feels. And that's, you know, kind of why I drink a bit too much sometimes is because of that. Um, and that's, and the anger as well. Crikey, the rages sometimes are, are quite unpredictable and, and terrifying, not only to others, but to to me as well. Because so I don't even know whether they come in or not. You know, it's literally like flicking a light switch. But anyway, just what you guys know, you know, cocaine, it seems like a cool drug. Some people can handle it. Some people can't. I was one of the ones who can't. So, you know, you go your own way and make your own choices. I'm not judging anyone either way. I'm just telling my story. So, anyway, love you loads, guys. Take care. Bye-bye.